fan morning show. Brent Gunning, Sam McKee here. Baseball's trade deadline officially in the rearview mirror. Pour one out for the non-waivered trade deadline. Darwin Barney is not walking through that door. I mean, he could be, but he just wouldn't be allowed to play for the team because there is no such thing as the non-waiver trade deadline. That was fun. Maybe our our next guest feels the same way. Ben Nicholson-Smith joining us now. BNS, first question. Do you miss the non-waiver trade deadline? Are you thrilled oh, it's yeah. all wrapped no, up in one day? it for sure. Yeah, you guys are right. I, I did like the non-waiver trade deadline. Um, it was pretty good. I think that, um, you know, remember, like, Justin Verlander was traded to Houston the first time in August. Mm-hmm. And I just think that it left open the possibility of some extra intrigue. So I did like it. You guys are right. And wasn't it, like, at, like, midnight? Like, right at the last second they traded for Verlander. Like, I remember it being, like, he wasn't going to get traded. And then right, right, right at the deadline they traded for Verlander. Houston did. Yeah, I mean, there have been other deals, too. I'm pretty sure the giant Red Sox um, oh, Dodgers yeah, yeah, yeah. with Adrian Gonzalez and Carl Crawford and um, some of the, I think Nick Punto is in that deal. Um, a lot of a lot of big names. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was always fun to have that possibility. But now, it, you know, in theory, it should have created more motivation for teams to be active um, on uh, August 1st, in this case, at the at the regular trade deadline. Um, although, you know, with the exception of the Mets, it was a pretty quiet trade deadline. Obviously, we'll get to that and how it impacted mm-hmm. the Blue Jays. But, um, you know, there was, uh, you know, one team in the, in the Mets that was really aggressive in selling. And otherwise, uh, you know, there were some teams that kind of stayed the course. Yeah. I, you know, I do want to ask you about the deadline and your thoughts overall. But, Ben, I... I don't know how much longer I can watch the Jays not hit with runners in scoring position. Like I, every night I watch this team and I'm like, surely this is the night this is going to change. Surely this is the week that this is going to change. Surely this is the month that it's going to change. And it just doesn't change. And I don't know if you could have traded for somebody that's going to help. Like I, I don't know how you address this. I don't know if it's quantifiable, but God, man, it's hard to watch right now. Yeah. It's really hard to watch. I think, you know, especially you're playing the Orioles, like these games are so big. You have such an opportunity to really um, start chipping away at that division lead. And instead, now that the Orioles have won those first two games, you're trying to, you're trying to at best, get back to where you were when this series started. Um, Baltimore's really good, but still, this is a Blue Jays team that needs to be doing better in those situations. I, I think they're a good offensive team, but, man, are they ever uh, a different offensive group than what we've seen before. And they certainly don't look like an elite offensive group it's funny how this whole team is flipped right like they're the best pitching team in the american league um this season but they're really not a great hitting team anymore they're more good than great and you know you you really end up missing out on a lot of opportunities and you look at a guy like george springer right now who's in the midst of an 0 for 33 and his ops for the season is now under 700 which is really you know when you're talking about a corner bat whose ops is under 700 he's making 150 million um, and this is not the last year of his contract either. This is more like the middle of his contract. You know, that's, that's a disappointment for the Blue Jays this year. They're not going to phrase it like that, but, you know, it's got to be a disappointment for them. 
Yeah, it's a massive one. Uh, you know, maybe they don't want to say it. I will. You yeah, just we'll did. We'll all say it. Uh, it's been a massively disappointing year, disappointing year. And when the other part of it is that you look at, you know, because you, you can talk yourself into both sides of it in the sense that, okay, so George Springer has been abysmal. Let's let's be honest, offensively. Alec Manoa has been lost in the wilderness, and this team is still right there in a playoff position. That mm. is the most frustrating part about this year is that you don't need a thousand things to have gone differently you just need one of those to have not gone atrociously or Vladdy to be a little closer to his baseline or now you're looking at Bo Bichette not to have got hurt like I think that is the most frustrating part of it is that you don't need some massive sea change to see a kind of very different Blue Jays season playing out it's just a little bit more from Springer a little more from Vladdy or or something from Manoa yeah for sure for sure and I think um, you know you, you look at especially Manoa, the ups and downs of his season coming off a Cy Young year. I mean, that is a, that is a big one. Um, he seems to be getting back to the point that he's a useful uh, pitcher for them, you know, front of the rotation that might take some more time, but he can be a useful pitcher for them. Kind of similar to Hunjin Ryu who looked again, like a backhand starter last night, but Hey, there's room for, for backhand starting pitchers. Um, and, you know, for the Jays to have a couple of those in Manoa and Ryu and Kikuchi, that's great. Those, those guys can help you win. So, but yeah, to your point, um, you know, Springer, they've needed more from him. Um, you know, Kirk for most of the season, they needed more from him. Varsho, like the, the, that we've talked about Varsho now for a long time as well, but it doesn't change the facts, right? Like he has been a really disappointing offensive player as good as he is with the glove, as good as he is on the bases. He has been a very disappointing offensive player for the blue Jays. And so that contributes to an overall offense where, you know, it's just not as, as scary of a lineup as they envision. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of frustration and with the with the deadline and the lack of adding another bat. And at first blush, Ben, I'll hear that, and I understand why a lot of fans are upset. And, like, I'm not going to sit here and say I'm not a little disappointed as well. But it went, when it comes down to it, if you add Tommy Pham or you add – the Oscar Hernandez, or you add whoever, you know, insert uh, Jake Berger, uh, whatever the guy you want to add into this conversation. Is it Jake Berger? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, good. Um, I I have a hard time believing that any of those guys are going to make a big enough impact where it's going to be able to cover up the inability of a lot of your biggest, most high paid guys who play every day inability to cash runners in scoring position. Like, you can't just bring in one guy and have it change all that. Your best players need to be better. I, I understand yeah. the frustration, but at some point, your big boys got to be your big boys. Totally agree, Sam. And I, and I think, like, I agree with all of that. And, like, let's start with the, you know, the disappointment of the deadline because, you know, the Blue Jays had probably two-thirds of a really good trade deadline because adding Jordan Hicks was really good. You know, once Bichette, um, you know, ends up leaving that game, adding Paul DeYoung makes tons of sense. Just defense their overall infield. That's a good thing for the Jays. So, okay, great. Two two good moves. And then there was room for more. And the Jays wanted to do more. And they were actively in talks for Teoscar and for other players, um, including, you know, Fam was at least on their radar. I got the sense that they liked Mark Canna a fair bit. His teammate with the Mets um, and, and others were on their radar too. So they wanted to do it. They saw the, the room for that didn't get it done. So, you know, this is a results business. They, they didn't get it done. But at the same time, 
you're right because it's got to come from Vladdy and Kirk and Varsho and Springer. And there's no way, even if you acquired one bat, there's no way that that one bat would have had the combined potential impact of Springer and Vladdy and Varsho and Kirk and, you know, Bo, you know, if he can return from injury or not. And, you know, there's so many guys in this team who are performing at a level that's below their career norms. And that is really where the turnaround offensively is going to have to come from. Yeah. And we mentioned Tay Oscar. So let's just zoom in a little bit on that one, Benny. Um, do you think that there's sort of a tax for trading back for him? Like, I can't imagine that the Seattle Mariners would be thrilled to just give him back to the Toronto Blue Jays, especially after they gave up Eric Swanson, who's had an excellent year for the Jays here. Like, do you think it would have cost the Jays more than any other team to get Tay Oscar back? I understand he wasn't traded at all, so maybe that 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 flies in the face of that theory a bit, but I can't imagine that the Seattle Mariners would have been thrilled to give him back from a sort of pride perspective. Yeah, I talked to someone yesterday who had that exact theory, basically, um, and who basically said that, you know, as much as the Blue Jays had some real interest in um, in acquiring Teoscar Hernandez, um, that they just it never seemed like that was ever a real possibility. Um, that it seemed like the Mariners uh, just just there was not a lot of traction there. Um, and then, of course, like you said, the Mariners end up playing pretty well ahead of the deadline they're 55 and 51 going in i mean it's one thing to trade paul seawald when you have a good bullpen and diminish your your uh bullpen a little bit but if they had also started chipping away from their starting lineup like at a certain point you really start undermining your actual team so the mariners end up holding to oscar either way but yeah i i've heard from at least one person who had the exact same view as you there and thought that was probably never really going to happen. And so that would have forced the Blue Jays to go elsewhere and be creative. And look, again, that's their job, right? Like, I'm not trying to just say, oh, you know, hands up in the air, there was no chance of doing this. This this is the job of a front office is to be creative and to unearth possibilities that you and I might not think of. Um, they were not able to do that in the end. But you, you do look at an overall market where there weren't a lot of bats moving around. Bellinger stayed, Otani stayed, Teoscar stayed. There were just not a lot of bats um, out there. And so, you know, arguably a front office could have traded a, a big prospect and, you know, just just surrendered whatever it takes to, to upgrade offensively in that respect. Um, but around baseball, that was not the pathway that contending GMs chose. So you, I think you might have just answered it, but I just want to make sure we're covering all our, our bases here. If Bobachet doesn't get hurt, do you think that they still do nothing regarding the lineup? Or do you think that once the injury to Bichette happened, and again, I understand there's still some lack of clarity about the exact timeline there, but do you think that kind of shifted that, okay, the position player will clearly be to kind of cover off that weakness? Because I hear everything you're saying, but I also think that, you know, if this is a team where their best hitter is only going to be healthy for a month, it doesn't embolden them to do less at the deadline. I would think it kind of spurns them to maybe push a little bit harder. How do you kind of read that, that scenario? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I, I, I suspect that the Bichette injury nudged them uh, a little further down the path with the young. Um, at the same time, I mean, the reliever they gave up, Matt Swanson, 24 year old reliever at, at high A just made it to double A. Like that's not a huge prospect. So realistically, they still could have um, continued to trade prospects away and were willing to trade prospects away in the right deal 
But even if Bo Bichette hadn't got hurt, there still weren't a lot of bats out there. There still weren't a lot of teams that were really selling and, and willing to move a legitimate major league hitters. I mean, the best player traded, the best position, position player traded, maybe was Josh Bell or, you know, having having a down year, mm-hmm. or, or would it have been Mark Canna or Carlos Santana? I mean, they're just... You know, we're not talking about like last year where Juan Soto was traded or this year on the pitching side where Verlander and Scherzer were traded or even in the bullpen department where Jordan Hicks might have been the best reliever traded. But, you know, offensively, it was pretty much like role players in their 30s. And, and hey, that's there's a there's a place for that. Um, but um, you're talking to two of them. <laughs> oh, and I, I, I'm in the club, too, buddy. <laughs> no, no. Everyday starter. Come on. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it just it just didn't. It, there wasn't a lot out there from the standpoint of, of that. Yeah, I want to be clear. I don't want to pump your tires too much. You're like, uh, you know, the three starter. You know, not not true ace. You know, we're going to work there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like a solid two, three. Uh, that, that's where you're at. And, of course. I eat some innings. I eat some innings and take the ball. What more do people want? You know what right? I think? I think you're Mark Burley. You're just getting out there. Yeah. You're spitting answers. Uh, you're working quick. You're reliable. I think that's your uh I, I once saw comp. Ben Nicholson-Smith throw as hard as Mark Burley in a suit with no warm-up. So, so there it is. It actually is Mark the comp. Yeah. Uh, I love that comp. Why? Why not? not Tim Anderson if it was going to be a, a shortstop. I think that some people could talk themselves into that's the higher ceiling move. That is a move that in a best case scenario could light fire to the offense or provide you not similar to what Bichette gives you, but a higher quality offensive player. Uh, DeYoung feeling a little safer, a little more defensive oriented. How do you look at the uh, the choice the Jays made there? And obviously, you know, it's possible the White Sox were asking for the moon or whatever it was, but how, how'd you weigh the choice the, the Jays made there between the two shortstops? If, you know, maybe there's another guy, but it felt like those were the two most obvious candidates. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they, they were the first two guys that kind of jumped to mind. Anderson was clearly available. I mean, you can't argue with the price on DeYoung. I mean, it's, I mean, a relief prospect is kind of an oxymoron. And, uh, you know, the Jays uh, really didn't pay a lot with the with the Cardinals even taking on a lot of DeYoung's salary. So I imagine that factored in. Um, but beyond that, too, like even if you just take these guys at face value and you set aside any question of acquisition costs, the, the questions that I had around Tim Anderson were with respect to his shoulder, right? Because we're talking about a guy who has one homer and 11 doubles this season. And this is a guy who's known for his bat. I mean, this is a big offensive drop-off. And he was um, dealing with some shoulder issues about a month ago. He played a couple games at second base where the throw was shorter. Um, unclear if that shoulder issue is connected to um, his drop-off in power. Uh, I'm sure the Blue Jays looked into that. And I don't know if that uh, detracted from their interest in him at all, um, because he still would have a higher offensive ceiling than Paul DeYoung. Um, But yeah, we know that in the end, they ended up going to the Cardinals and making their third trade with St. Louis. So I got to tell you that I'm really not enjoying this Baltimore Orioles uh, team. I, you know, it's, this is tough for the Jays that they've seemed to. They're not the 27 Yankees, Ben. No. Can we check that? Listen. Yeah, yeah. It, they're not. It, it's, uh, I mean, compared to the Blue Jays with runners in scoring <laughs> position, they may be the 27 Yankees. But I, it's just remarkable to me. We've been talking about this. We're talking about this all morning. How, I guess it's not quickly because they've sucked for a long time. But I don't think I don't think ahead of schedule any Baltimore Orioles fan would say that because of the depths of despair they've been in for a long time here. But 
it has happened fast in my eyes. Like it, this snuck up on me that they are now one of the elite teams in the AL and they're only going in one direction. Like this is going to be a problem for the Toronto Blue Jays in the AL East for a long time, Ben. It is. It is. And I think, you know, Kramer and Bradish have really emerged as guys who are solid major league starters. And Kyle Gibson's been a nice pickup for them. Um, and, you know, of course, they added Flaherty from the Cardinals. So the, the pitching is is at least solid. Um, I, I think like all teams on the rise, they still have more hurdles to climb. And, you know, they're, they're going to have more tests when they get to the playoffs and try to make it through a playoff series without really a frontline starter. I mean, that's going to be an interesting challenge for them. I think their bullpen can make up for a lot of that. I think their position player depth is, is really, really good. And guys like Henderson and Rushman are, I mean, they're legit Rushman. Is, I mean, Ru- and Rushman's Henderson. a hall of famer. I will say that right now. Rushman will be in the hall of yeah. fame. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's on that kind of path, right? He's been great um, for, for Baltimore. He's, he's such a difference maker. And then you add in, you know, your guys who are, Maybe not as as um, heralded, but still like a Mount Castle obviously destroys the Blue Jays against the Jays. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's a, going he's into the level of excellence, even <laughs> despite never playing <laughs> a game for the team. The, and it's the greatest rough. hitter in Roger Center's history, <laughs> Mount Castle. Yeah, it's like Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, and then like Ryan Mount Castle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and oh, then man. and also Adam Frazier, right? Adam Frazier destroys the Blue Jays too. So. You know, it's it's been rough for them. Um, but, um, yeah, this is a really good team. I, I still think, like, they they have more to prove, right? And I think Baltimore could have done more. They were very cautious at the deadline themselves, right? Um, they they really, um, you know, I, like when I saw the Justin Verlander rumors, like, of course, it's fun. But I thought there's no way they actually go and get Justin Verlander. I just, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that's the way they've operated. Um, but, um, you know, they, their disciplined approach has worked. And I think this group is very talented, and I still think they have more challenges ahead. But look, sort of the Blue Jays, right? Because this Blue Jays young core has yet to win a playoff game. So yeah. they've got their own challenges, too. And it's, you know, you, you always look back on these years, and I think the, they're going to be a really good team for a really long time. But, you know, they're in the spot right now. Like, you know, Gunnar Henderson and Adley Rutschman could collide in their, when they're running a, to get a foul ball, and they could both be out long term. Or, like, there's just weird things happen in baseball. And the position that they're in right now, where they're one of the best teams in the in the league, like this could have been an excellent chance for them to use some of that prospect capital. They didn't want to go in that direction, so I see both sides of it. But I, I think if you're a Baltimore fan, you don't really care because you're just like we're good and we're gonna get better. Like I think adding Flaherty is a nice enough piece, and then they can just kind of this them being this good this year feels like gravy for a fan. Exactly, exactly, and I think. It kind of reminds me of the Jays when they were first, like, 2020, 2021, when they were, like, first coming up, and it's like, this is going to last forever. Like, Vlad and Bo are going to be, you know, like, you just kind of get aboard the hype train. It's yeah. like, watch out, Hyunjin Ryu is going to win Cy Youngs every year. And, you know, stuff happens, right? It just, it's, things happen, and it is really tough to be the Dodgers and just stay at an elite level year after year. And even, like, even it's tough to do what the Blue Jays have done and contend year after year. And they've had their disappointments in there with 21, you just missed the playoffs or 22, you're bouncing the wild card or 23 has kind of been like a series of small disappointments so far. We'll see where it goes. But, um, you know, Baltimore, it's, it's an exciting time for them. And, you know, I hope the Orioles make the playoffs and I hope that they win around and maybe they'll play the Blue Jays in the ALCS, right? Like, 
that this is a, a team that deserves to have some success, but you know, it's, they got a long way to go at the same time. I, not to keep you too long, but you know, I'm talking about that regretting of not making trades or whatever. And it's kind of a different scenario, but I look back on this era of blue Jays baseball, whatever you want to call it in 2021 is the team to me. That's the best. I thought they were the best team. They had Simeon. Their lineup was unbelievable. And you think back to the early in that season, I think it was May, late May, early June, where their bullpen blew so many stupid games, Ben, and they waited so long to address it. And they missed the playoffs by one game. And if that team was, that team was red hot down the stretch, so it's just a cautionary tale for the Orioles. Like you never know what can happen. If they, the Jays had won two extra games that season, they make the playoffs with the hottest team in the league. They could have won the World Series that year. They were unbelievably good, and they just missed it because of some early season disappointments. Oh, yeah. And so much of that, right, it was like the Tyler Chatwood and like Tanner Roark and like, you know, you had uh, Tanner. A lot of Joel Pye amps. Yeah. Well, yeah, before he was good. Before he was good. And then, yeah. And now you've got, um, you know, a ball club that, uh, has, has frustrated, I think, you know, themselves at times. There's no doubt about that. They've, they've said as much, um, you know, in describing the first half of the season, there was certainly frustration around this team. They've been playing better. Um, but at the same time, you know, so much of it is how you're playing when, you know, down the stretch and into the playoffs. And so there's still so much time remaining. I mean, that's the wild thing about a baseball season is, you know, we're, we've been following this every day for like five months, but still there's, you know, the 57 games left, whatever it is, and then you got the playoffs. And, you know, not to discount anything that's happened so far because it's all been really important, but there are many, many big moments ahead for this team. And so when you're talking about, you know, a deadline where they don't necessarily add enough offense or George Springer, who's in the midst of his worst slump as a Blue Jay, or, you know, Ryu just coming back and finding his way, there are times for all these stories to kind of write themselves or to veer off course even further, or who knows where it's going to go, but there's a lot of work ahead for the Jays. Yeah, there, uh, there certainly is. Uh, and uh, they did some yesterday, but like you said, I think some people clamoring for some more and uh, it's up to the guys on the roster. Now, uh, Ben really enjoyed the chat. Thank you so much. I uh, love you Thanks, jumping ben. on with us. You got it, Brent. Thanks, Sam. There goes the Mark Burley of uh, Sportsnet 590, the fan, and the Sportsnet uh, Blue Jays coverage. Uh, he loves if, that comp. I you, think it's a good one. If you will, uh, if you'll let me go with full John Morosi here for a second. Sure. The, I, I'm oh, terrified. I don't know what that the Jose means. Jose Barrios oh, okay. of, the, uh, of the Blue Jays broadcast. Mm, okay. Yeah. I like that. I do I, like you know, selfishly, yes. having worked with both Arden and Ben, yep. we started uh, at the letters me together. Me too, because I produced yeah. it once. But so we started it from the ground the up, and I'm very proud of that, and it's something that I'll always put on my you, resume. You're that proud I was proud of them? I, they're crushing it. They are. Like, Ben doing the on the desk, coverage, Arden doing the, like, his, he's so good at it now. Looking and hunky in a golf shirt. Buddy, how much weight is he like? He looks like us. He's studly. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's jacked. I'm just proud of these guys. I, you know, they're my friends. I don't text them enough. I should text them more to tell them how proud of them I am. Water the plant, buddy. You never, you, just, you know it. what? You never, you just got to text people and tell them how much you love them. Wow. That's what, that's what it comes down to. Hey, people out there, text your significant others. Tell them you love them. And I'm super insecure. So anybody who knows me, uh, text me and tell me that you love me. Uh, my wife just texted me and told me she loved me. Wow. Look at that. Means a lot. Uh, my wife texted me this morning being like, this child got up at 530 in the morning and demanded to watch crap on my phone. So that's, that's the tenor <laughs> of my conversation that I've had with my uh, lovely significant other. Uh, just quickly mentioning Mark Burley. What, what is it with the water on whatever side of Chicago that is? They have all the pitchers for teams I don't care about that I like. Mark Burley was there. 
Now the heir apparent, Lance Lynn, just screaming bleep you at anyone and everyone. Now a Dodger. Now a Dodger. That's what made me think of it. I just saw that he's still... you know, MF and people at, uh, at Chavez Ravine there. So I don't know something about white Sox pitchers. They're just cool. Dylan cease. I don't know how I feel about him, but that mustache is something. He so, yeah. ceased to he get ceased. traded. Yes, he did. A little pun by you. Uh, I will say with the O's after eight o'clock, buddy, I, I'm oh, so you're awake right now. now. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm happy. We could get at least uh, oh, 25 minutes I'm, of good radio. Uh, on hey, you man, today. If the morning show was one hour, eight to nine, I'd be the best host in the world. Yeah. Uh, some would say that's why JD is so good. Cause I'd be, you just I'd be, one to I'd, run I'd, hour I'd, sprint at the perfect time. Every I'd day. be the Colin Cowherd of Toronto. If I could just do one hour at eight to nine, I don't think you would. Cause oh, I think there'd be okay. a lot of like, ah, you know, Still a lot of that. I would actually, I would pay money to see a solo Sam McKee, uh, no guest, cowherd pod. We got three separate I love you texts from people. Awesome. awesome. That means a lot. It really does. Uh, you know what else means a lot to a lot of people? The WWE. Calling all WWE fans. The WWE is returning to Toronto for Friday night SmackDown at Scotiabank Arena on August 18th. And we are giving away tickets. All you have to do is tune in to the Fan Morning Show. Listen for our daily code word and text it to 590-590. Today's code word is Imperium. Text Imperium to 590-590 for your chance to win. Don't miss out on the action is Drew McIntyre and undisputed WWE Tag Team Champions Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn take on Imperium in a six-man tag team match. We are giving away another (laughs) pair of tickets tomorrow. Be sure to tune in. Uh, uh, Electric Reed. Thank you. Uh, Sammy Zayn. I hope that, I ho- is that a man or a woman? Either way, hope they're great at wrestling because it's a hell of a handle. I bet they're great. They're uh, the champs. Can I just say something that I want to, it's a miracle today. I saw this this tweet from Richard Southern. Excellent reporter. Dick Southern, our man. He's the man. Uh, is he sitting for, in the park? For, for City 680 News. Drinking in 27 city parts is now legal on a trial basis. Do you have to sit you in can, a circle? You can crack a beer <laughs> or wine gutter, no mixed drinks, what? from 5.30 a.m. <laughs> until midnight. We're no. live on breakfast television with the latest. So uh, all of you listening. Did you see the picture of him sitting under the tree? It's no. quite, he looks so, he looks exactly like a guy who just got told you can have a drink in this park. Uh, He's just sitting under there. He looks very relaxed. Um, I just want to congratulate all of the people in the city of Toronto, we finally made it. We can finally have everyone a drink. Everyone pooping in, a park. in Trinity Bellwoods. <laughs> you finally forced their hand. You can have a drink. No one has ever done it before, and now it is finally legal. There Congratulations. Is, there has definitely never, ever been a cold one put in the snow for after a game of shinny. That has never happened. I don't have two to three beverages every Friday night at the dog park with the dog park crew. I can finally have two to three well, cold it beers. It might not be part of the 27. So oh, careful, you're right. careful. You're, you're right. early okay. celebrating there. Okay, so you take yeah. that back. I take it back. I never have done Would that. Never do that. Ever. I, I abide by the law. I'm a uh, law abiding man. Congratulations. We're, we're joking Toronto. here, but like what a time to be alive. Truly. Uh, what's next? We'll be we'll be allowed to like drink a pop after nine p.m. or something. Old puritanical Toronto. One of my favorite jokes is when uh, marijuana was legalized in this country, and I was like, finally, (laughs) I get to try marijuana. (laughs) My favorite is like this is so inside. But have you ever noticed that on uh, it's right in your neck of the woods there on Bluer West, uh, like 
all of the bars are on one side of the street. Mm. And that is because it was like old Toronto, new Toronto. And it was like, they're getting after it in really? whatever side of it. It was, I did not that's know why that. if you notice, they're all, they're much, yeah. all the pubs yeah. are on the South side of the street. Wow. there, And it's because, yeah, Those it was like, that, yeah, it's like, Oh, across the street. They're, they're, they're driving their chariots and their rickshaws and they're having, <laughs> having a pop. It's terrible. They're having their ice cold. Honestly, so whoever, <laughs> so whoever, whoever spearheaded that, whoever made it happen, uh, Kudos to you. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if Olivia Chow, if this is her doing, but she gets to take hey, credit because she's the mayor now. Good on you, Olivia. Good on you, Olivia. And again, all those people doing Lord knows what in Trinity Bellwood during the <laughs> pandemic. Dumping. A lot of pooping in the park. There really was. And I don't even think you have to sit in a circle. Like that was the other rule. Remember uh, at Trinity? Oh, yeah. It's like everyone has to sit in their circle listen, on we, their blankie. Listen. We did some things during COVID. We I, don't, I, actually, I actually realized I, you're the person on earth I would least like to get going on that. So uh, maybe. Hey, no, hey, I was part of it. I did some. No, dumb no, things. I'm saying you think you like nobody hated the restrictions more than you. Oh, and nobody, my God. Nobody more than me was like, I got to be honest. Uh, if I Our group can, chat said no more COVID talk in it yeah. because we were at each other's throats. Yeah. And I said, I like the idea of only making appointments with people on the golf course. I was like, <laughs> a, I was like, a, I was like a king in the 1800s. It's like, well, if you want to talk to Brent, you have to find a way to book a tea time with them. All right. Uh, thoroughly enjoyed that chat with BNS. Thoroughly enjoyed that dalliance into uh, Toronto. Toronto Park drinking talk that we just did there. And I'm going to thoroughly enjoy talking to Jim Duquette, former MLB GM. He'd have some insight on what it's like at this time of year. We'll talk to him when we continue. Fan Morning Show continues right here on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big old thumbs down behind the glass, uh, endeavoring to connect with Jim Duquette. Uh, your ba- okay. Is your back okay? No. You had a big old, oh, uh, right before the mics so turned on. I, like I said, I played Devil's Paintbrush yesterday. Number nine in Canada. Shout out Ryan Logan. Played with my dad and uh, Brian from Golf Canada as well. So we had a really great day. But it's a bit of a hike. It's a 16,000 stepper. A mm-hmm. lot of hills. A lot of going up steps. Okay. You looked at behind. Is he there? Yeah. He's there. Okay, he I'll is. shut up. No, it's okay. You could finish your story. Well, it's just your back my back hurts. is okay. absolutely barking. And I played hockey last night. Like I am, I'm washed up. In, in, We've the, words, this in the words of Jeff Passan, breaking your back. Uh, yes. This insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Very, very pleased to be joined by our final guest of the day, Jim Duquette, former MLB GM, current analyst with SiriusXM MLB Network. Dan, thanks so much for jumping on. How are you doing today? What's up, guys? How are you? Brent, Sam, good to talk to you guys. Yeah, we're uh, we're we're doing well here. Deadline in the book, so uh, as good a day as any to look back. Uh, obviously, you're a guy who's had a, a lot of experience at this time of year, working the phones or uh, working the faxes, however however you do it. Uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the deadline, how different did this one play out from ones you've experienced? I mean, it just felt like there was such a clear lack of sellers. There were a couple of teams, but you know, we're used to in years past possibly half the league being looked at as sellers. Uh, how different was this year's deadline compared? the ones you've uh, worked in in the past yeah i I think that that's something uh that we're going to see more of moving forward i'm not sure this is what the what the league thought or or hoped but you know when when i I really think with the the extra wildcard team or playoff spot right in each league uh there's more more uh more and more teams who feel like they're at least within you know striking distance four or five games 
of of uh, that third wild card, it becomes difficult to signal to your fan base that you're not going to do something. So I, I, I think that, you know, we're going to see this, you know, from, you know, the next couple of years too. And this is only the second year that we've had this second wild card. So we don't really have a, a huge history on that, but I, I do think that, you know, if you're a, a GM and we saw a lot of these teams go, you know, even the last week before the deadline, unsure which direction they were going to go. You know, they were a four or five game win streak from being a buyer and basically a four or five game losing streak from being a seller. So I, I think it's good from this, that side of things because it keeps the, it keeps teams competitive leading up to the trade deadline. But I think that the activity of trading back and forth is going to take a little bit of a hit, you know, not just this year, but in coming years. So I wanted to ask you about two teams that had similar off seasons this past off season with the Mets and the Padres, and then have had yeah. similar results in the uh, regular season so far, and then had completely different approaches to the to the trade deadline. What did you make of those two teams? Because I thought it was fascinating to juxtapo- juxtapose those two teams against each other in their approaches yeah. at the deadline. Yeah, I, I agree. Like you know, so I'm I'm in New York. You know, I do. Uh, uh, some pre and post for the Mets. So I'm watching the Mets a lot and obviously I have my history with them as well. And, you know, they're the one thing at the, at the deadline you got to have is a direction, right? One way or the other in or out. And I think both of them chose a direction. You know, people can disagree with the, what they decided to do at the end of the day. But I think the Mets had a, sent a clear signal to listen. We, we have underachieved. There's something wrong with the team. There's been a chemistry issue, uh, which is impossible to fix at the trade deadline, no matter who you bring in. Uh, and so, you know, and, and they just felt like the team isn't good enough. And they spent all of this money. And so the owner said, you know what? I want to try to get something for my investment, even if I have to, at the end of the day, um, if, if uh, Verlander's option gets picked up by the Astros, the owner of the Mets will have paid other teams over $80 million oh to have, have Verlander and Scherzer pitch for somebody else. That's absurd. Yeah. So that, he, like, he's not getting any marks for you know, style points or his negotiating skills aren't very good, but he got some really good prospects if you like prospects. You know, so that, like, I, I like the guys they got. I don't think that, you know, it was all that difficult to do that. I think anybody could have done it. So I'm kind of on the fence with what they did. If they, if they are good next year, you know, if they put money back into the team with you know, more starting pitching, okay, then, then I can say they took a half a season and, and walked away. Uh, the Padres, I think, if there's a team that you look at, you go, man, that team also is lacking in chemistry, and they're bad, and they're they're underachieving. They could they could have and should have probably done the same thing. But their GM told me on my on my radio show two weeks ago that he was going to uh, buy and just try to improve the team around the fringes, which is basically what he did. Right? He just kind of added pieces that improved the club. With a back end, a starter, and a, you know, a bat at first base, and a bat off the bench, and then a and then a reliever. They didn't get anything impactful, but he needs his impactful players uh, currently mm-hmm. to do something, or else they're not going anywhere either. 
You, you mentioned the idea of chemistry, and it's such a kind of funny idea in baseball, right? Because of all team sports, yep. it is far and away the most individualistic, but it's also not nothing. You do want to build a team that has some right. semblance of culture, identity, however you want to word it. You know, I look at a group like the Blue Jays and some of the moves they made this last offseason. Yes, it was to change the makeup of the ball club, but they also weren't shy about part of it was, you know, trading for a different personality or a different feel of a, of a player. How hard of a thing is that to get a gauge for as a general manager because on one hand baseball is the game that you're around every day but I also don't know how much a GM is around the the players to kind of have a gauge for that how important is it for a GM to have a feel for that and I guess how important is chemistry in the sport really well I think the idea of chemistry is a fascinating one because not everybody believes that you need good chemistry on your team to win and I, I completely disagree. And there's a lot of GMs who completely disagree. But there are there are a good number of of not just general managers, managers that, that think it's overrated. And I'm not suggesting when I say I, I believe it, I'm not saying overpay for a great guy in the clubhouse, right? So it's all within like you want players that can play. That bottom line, mm-hmm. but they got to get along, right? And this would be like in the workplace, you're working. You know, 80-hour work weeks, uh, and you don't like the people that you're working with on a regular basis. Like, that is just miserable every day to go to. And that's what it is when you have a team that doesn't have good chemistry. It's, it's, not, it's not fun. They don't get along real well. And everybody kind of has their own little corner and click. And when things go bad, which they invariably do during the season, you don't have any type of, of uh, you know, group where you're, oh, we're going to pull, we're going to pull together and get out of this on our own. They're kind of going their own separate ways. And that's when I think the chemistry uh, matters the most. So, you know, I've been through both when we've had good teams and good chemistry, when we've had good teams and bad chemistry didn't matter. But man, when we were struggling and we didn't have good chemistry with that ship sunk fast. So I'm a big believer in it just because I've seen it, you know, over the years. And when you go into a clubhouse that's won or winning, it is noticeable. It's palpable. You can feel it. And it's just because you've been, I've been in clubhouses so much, you know, they like each other. They like being around each other. Like it's, it's something that you can definitely feel even as a GM, um, if you're around the team enough. So just wanted to zoom in on the Jays with you here, and they're obviously locked in a scary series against the Baltimore Orioles who, you know, added Jack Flaherty at the deadline, but just specifically with the Jays. What did you make of their trade deadline? Uh, Not enough, maybe one extra right-handed bat, adding Hicks, adding DeYoung, adding uh, Yenis' Cabrera, all Cardinals, actually, they just added. They just took three guys from the Cardinals. But what did you make of their deadline, their lack of their movement, you know, what they did? What did you make of it? Well, I, the thing that, um, you know, what they were really, uh, unfortunately, what they were doing, at least for the moment, was plugging holes, you know, because of injuries, right, with Romano and Hicks. Like, eventually, when it, Romano comes back, like, that, that bullpen's going to be scary good. Like, it's, mm-hmm. I, I like what they did with Hicks. Like, I, you know, and he, he, you know, he, you know if, if you were, um, you know, a, smoker, right? A cigarette smoker. Mm-hmm. Like he, Jordan Hicks, he'll smoke a whole pack when he's on the mound. Cause he'll, he's going to walk a couple guys. 
you guys are gonna, yeah, you know, it's gonna drive me nuts. Don't me with a good time, buddy. It, right? <laughs> right, right. So yeah, I just think of Jim Leland. Jim Leland having the heaters down there in, the, in his uh, in the dugout because his, his uh, relievers aren't throwing strength and drives drove them nuts, right? So, uh... so I, I like that one. I, Paul DeYoung isn't gonna do much other than he's gonna catch the ball, especially while Bo's out. Hopefully, yeah. he's not gonna be out long. And Cabrera, you know, his, Cabrera's had his struggles. But I, I don't think Toronto need to do a heck of a lot. And, you know, when, let's say when Bo comes back, the young you know, has the ability to, to uh, you know, hit a home run coming off the bench. You can play multiple positions. So, I, I mean, there are teams that did more, but I like the specific um, moves that Toronto did. And they're a team that I, I keep waiting for them to take off. They, we're going to talk to Josh Snyder on my show today. Oh, nice. But, you know, the last, what, 56 games, I think they, they're like 33 and 23, something like that, you know, or, or right around that. And so, I mean, it's a pretty good run over a, a longer period of time. So they've, they've been trending up. It's just been a little bit slower than other, you know, other teams have gone on a, you know, win 10 out of 15 out of 12 or 15 out of 20. They haven't quite done that yet, but I think that I think it's coming for them. Yeah. It's just the, the hard part about the Jays record, Jim, is what drives everybody crazy here is the inability to get a win in their own division. They're seven and 22 in their own division. Right. And it's like, there's, there's so possible. I know that's they're one in seven now against the Orioles and the Red Sox so far this season. It's just like, it's not, that's why it feels so bad because every team that every fan in the city hates comes in here and kind of beats them pretty badly. So that's why it feels so bad, but you're right. They've been good over this last little stretch. They just kind of got it feels like they haven't gotten it in the top gear yet and maybe they will maybe they won't the right. runner the runners in scoring position thing is driving them nuts but they they do have the yeah. potential to get hot well they they do and i think that's the thing like okay you know there's also some belief because because they're a good team like if you look at the roster and you know some all right so maybe they haven't achieved quite where they should be but if you're a you're a um, underachieving team out there, and you can say you're 10 games over 500. I think they would sign up for it, right? Like, so the Padres would certainly do, it, and so would the yeah. Mets. You know, so you know those are really underachieving teams. So, so I, I think that you know the best is still to come for Toronto. And you know, sometimes these moves that you make at the deadline are, are kind of a, a a little bit of a different energy that changes things up. But I also feel this: like, if you're a good enough team, those numbers should get better down the stretch. You know, and I, I'll, I'll take it like uh, last year, Philadelphia early in the season was horrible in the NL East, specifically against the Mets, but they just could not beat, I don't think they beat Atlanta. And then uh, as the last three months unfolded, they were a team that you, like they, they evened it out and basically you know went on a tear. And I feel like in some ways, you know, Toronto didn't have that bad run like Philly did last year. But I feel like in some ways, Toronto is in that similar situation where, uh, you know, when they start to get hot, that, you know, it's gonna, they're going to be a team that you just don't want to play down the stretch. So hopefully that's going to happen soon, obviously. Uh, yeah, a lot of people just hope it's uh, it's when and not if, because I think there's a lot of people still thinking it might be if uh, for, for this team this year. Right. Uh, last one for you before we let you go, more of a kind of philosophical question what's the hardest part of a ball club to build as a general Mm. manager? Because I mean, the lineup requires the most pieces, but you can also maybe get away with a few lesser ones, a bullpen, you know, it's so finical, but or finicky, but it feels like you have to rebuild it every year and a rotation, you know, you could kind of go the same way, but there's more swing and miss for, for lack of a better term in starting pitchers as a executive, what's kind of the hardest part of a ball club to, to build? 
Well, I, I, you know, it's um, like there's there's so many different aspects to it. I, I personally think that just pitching in general. So it's kind of a broader broader question. Like you just can never have enough depth starting or relievers, right? Because like you've said, the the bullpen is very inconsistent from year to year. You hardly ever have, you know, the same guys back to back years have the same. Uh, type years that's they start there so that's a that's a you know it's problematic but i'll say it's easier to kind of fix that because there's always going to be you know somebody you can plug in or you can it's it's a little easier to trade for relief help starting pitching for me as i talk this out with you my answer is probably going to turn towards starting pitching because you know if you go have a guy that goes down you don't have usually a guy in your stable sitting there in the minor leagues that can replace the guy to get injured right and how do you carry seven or eight, you know, starting pitches? No one has that many. No one's that deep. So, you know, trying to keep them healthy, trying to build a deep rotation is probably the most difficult. And if you don't have one, it's expensive. You know, it's expensive to trade for. It's expensive to buy. Like it's, so I probably would lean more to starting pitching wise. Yeah, that's uh, I I love an answer that gets talked through uh, on the air. Uh, that's that's my favorite yeah, kind. Yeah. Uh, Jim, really really appreciate that. Thanks so much for taking the time. All right, guys, thanks. There he goes, uh, Jim Duquette. That's awesome. Have a conversation with John Schneider that maybe we'll glean some insight for tomorrow's show. Uh, That insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit donvalleynorthlexus.com. That's a great chat. Uh, I do like, I'm I'm not saying we have to replace it. I almost call him Dan because of Dan Duquette, who used used to be the general manager of the Baltimore Orioles, right? Uh, Yeah, right. So I was like, I always like, Almost, uh, what was the guy that Chris Everett? Oh, call me Chris. Chris. He's like, okay, Chris. Yeah. That's one of the Full all-time, Jim good, yeah, it was Jim Rome, right? Yeah, yeah, so I'm always like, I was on the tip of my being like, did I say it right? Was it that's, Jim? Was it Dan? Always, that was terrifying. That's always, that's always my, the ultimate line. It's like, will you get punched in the face by a pro athlete for content? And Jim Rome decided, yes, I will. Yeah, I, and... Fair, fair play because it's it's lasted until it's still on every and top also, 10 fair awkward. play to that guy yeah go pop Jim Rome <laughs> in the mouth I've deserved a punch I am you know what I never Chris. I never knew when I would get a chance to give this take so mm. I'm just gonna give it here yes love that every we all talk about like oh the guard what society come to we don't have respect anymore blah 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 you want to know how to instill a little respect back in the world Every retail and or service worker mm-hmm. gets one free crack in the mouth a year. They get to, but then they have to go to management. And they have to like sign it off with the government of like, hey, this guy was mouthing off. So I just punched him in the mouth. We would all as a society oh. be on much better behavior. If at any given moment, the guy <laughs> or gal behind the counter could that just is... jump over and fight you. I love that. No consequences. They like, they only get one a year. If you go over that, okay. then it's just called assault. I, but I have, I have a, blood rivalry like i am a really courteous guy when a service industry great to servers tip well never complain would never send food back i just grin and bear it like i am mr courteous but but at the gas station by my place that will rename unnamed okay trying to think which one it would be the guy that works the cat and i'm there a lot yeah and because i get a certain amount of points from this gas station and i go there all the time to fill up it's right by my place yeah and He's never at the till. And I swear, he sees me come in there, and he's in the back rooting around, 
I'm waiting for my thing to come on. I'm sitting there waiting. I'm like, why won't this gas pump? And I'm like, there's just no one at the till ever. And I'm like, oh, it's so-and-so. I know his name. I'm like, oh, it's him. (laughs) And then I go in there every time. What's up, brother? And I'm like, oh, you know. And I'll be in there waiting at the till. (laughs) He'll go approve my gas. Like, because I worked at a gas station for a long time. So you have to approve it when you press a button. You have to go and hit a button for it to work. Okay. And I know, and then he goes back and he's in the fridge, he's stacking boxes, and I'm standing there. And he just comes and he acts like nothing happens. And I know if he's listening right now, he knows. He knows. Well, I, I can guarantee if he had one punch in the face, it would be well, me. I was going to say, because careful what you wish for. Every time he gets behind the tail, I am sourpuss. I'm like, oh, yeah, thanks. Okay, thanks. Points card? Yeah, thanks. Thanks, brother. Mm-hmm. Bye. It's a rivalry. It's a blood rivalry. I, I love a good blood feud. You know it. I've had them with many people. The half the people I am in them with don't even know they're a part of it. They're like, I was in a blood feud with Gunning? Because there's like a, a Tim's in yep. the thing and the women working there. I'm always like, this guy's never at the t-. Like, they know. Like, I go in there sour. I hate this place. I feel like you might be getting all their punches. I don't feel like the Tim's people no, t- want to hear it. The I, one woman that works at Tim's is wonderful. We have a great relationship. I get a coffee basically every time I go in there. Okay. And she's really sweet to me. We have a great relationship. But every time I, I, I'm, when I, when I, he's not at the till, I'm like when there's a foreman in front of us that's effing around, I got hands Full on, hands on, hands the hips. on hips. Does the foot ever tap? No, but that's, I'm just like, where is this guy? That's too much. It's like the, you know, the fresca doesn't need to get loaded right now, bro. I think it does. I think, I think specifically when you're there is when it needs to happen. I love you. I love you getting upset. It's among my favorites. I also loved uh, Jim Duquette giving us a great new index of just the dart index of how much do you trust a reliever? I needed three darts to get through that appearance. Like I said, don't challenge me with a good time. Yeah. I'll have three oh, darts oh, for no reason. Was there a better name to drop immediately after than Jim Lee? <laughs> Ripping heaters. Ripping heaters. And, and as he got older, like looking like a heater, <laughs> he just became the sentient being of a cigarette that he was smoking uh, during the game. Pretty gray skin tone. Very much so. God, they don't make them like they used to. Jim Leland, uh, God love him. Uh, Grayson Rodriguez, you say Kikuchi are your starters mm. tonight. Hope, dangerous thing. Do you have any? The you stopper, say? you say? Uh, they better because tomorrow morning at 6 a.m., I'm bringing in the panic button and smashing if they lose tonight. And if the if the Boston Red Sox win tonight, they'll be one. They'll be half a game back of the Jays, heading into a weekend series where the Jays are going to Fenway Park. So. Please. Please. Uh, Please scary stuff there. Kikuchi, Rodriguez, watch it on Sportsnet. Listen right here. J.D. Bunk is coming up next. It's been the Fan Morning Show on Sportsnet. 590 Fan.